Greetings to the brightest audience in the country and welcome to the Dominic Enyart Show. Right now, as you're hearing me speak, I am in Wichita, Kansas. I'm broadcasting from Denver somehow, but I'm in Wichita, Kansas. No, uh, I'm in Wichita, Kansas for an anti-abortion event. This is an Abolish Human Abortion Conference. Interestingly enough, in Wichita, Kansas, that was where abortionist George Tiller practiced, and he was the famous abortionist who was murdered by a anti-abortion advocate, an anti-abortion vigilante. And here on the Dominic and Your Show, we have taught that uh, being a vigilante is not biblical, it is not moral, and certainly it is not a good strategy to try to end abortion here in America. And so to work through this, we've this past week been going through a show series the late great Bob Enyart did on American Right to Life's Vigilante Worksheet. And this is a worksheet which American Right to Life put out. I think it was right when George Tiller was uh, murdered. And this worksheet teaches that uh, being a vigilante is not acceptable. And so we've been going through this, and this is part three of uh, that series. And so I hope you guys enjoy. Now let's jump right into the broadcast. Greetings to the brightest audience in the country. I am Bob Inyart, the pastor of Denver Bible Church. We're going to continue with the American Right to Life worksheet, the vigilante worksheet, trying to identify the factors. And it turns out there are two factors that could determine whether something is an act of self-defense or whether it's a criminal action of vigilantism. So we will continue with that. We're up to question number 12. You can find that on American Right to Life's website and read along with it. But first, a couple news items. The Chicago Tribune today has a quote from me as a spokesman for Colorado Right to Life regarding George Tiller's killing. And they did an article about Colorado's late-term abortionist Warren Hearn And that article, actually, it's in their print edition today, and it takes the quote from Friday's article in the L.A. Times. And so why don't we skip to that, to Friday's L.A. Times. There's an article by D.D. Correll about Warren Hearn, the late-term Boulder abortionist. And the article is designed to get sympathy for Warren Hearn. And he speaks, she writes in here that, Warren Hearn spoke heatedly of the abortion foes, scorning the statements by anti-abortion groups that condemned violence after his friend George Tiller was shot. And Warren Hearn says, it's exactly what they wanted. Give me a break. So if it was exactly what the pro-life groups wanted, they probably all would not condemn the action as the pro-life movement speaks virtually with one voice in condemning the murder, even of George Tiller. I mean, not surprised, right? Jesus said, you reap what you sow. And so not surprised. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. But here's what the LA Times quoted, Bob Enyart, spokesman for Colorado Right to Life, 
which has demonstrated against Hearn for decades, the group has, said that although his group does not condone Tiller's slaying, abortion providers should expect that violence begets violence. And then here's the quote. If a mafia hitman gets killed, people recognize it's an occupational hazard, he said. Now, as far as we can tell, most pro-lifers completely agree with that. They completely agree with us. A few pro-lifers who criticize everything said or done in Colorado against abortion have complained against about this statement. They just complained. They didn't say why they don't like it. They just don't like it. And what they should consider is whether or not they really want to give an, an abortionist, a child killer, a false sense of security. If someone was killing Jews at an extermination camp and some Nazi got killed, would you want to say, oh, uh, they should be able to slaughter the innocent in perfect peace and tranquility with every expectation of living out a peaceful life? I mean, would you want to give a child killer that kind of false sense of security? Would you want to tell him that Jesus was wrong when he said, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword? You reap what you sow. There's a church with a billboard in front of the church. It says, Tiller died as he lived. Tiller died as he lived. Great photo of that. And there's a cartoon on MSNBC by Gary McCoy, and it's a cartoon of a huge cemetery with a gray sky in the background with gray clouds and a dead tree way in the background. And all the tombstones say aborted baby with a cross on them. You could tell there are thousands of aborted babies buried in this cemetery. And this is a cartoon on MSNBC by Gary McCoy. And there's a newspaper laying in the foreground And the headline is, late-term abortion doctor killed, President Obama shocked. Even on MSNBC, for this cartoonist, Gary McCoy, it's obvious if you kill children for a living, it should shock no one that you may end up dying as you lived. So then back to the LA Times Friday article, If a mafia hitman gets killed, people recognize it's an occupational hazard, Enyart said. And then a bit later in the article, Warren Hearn is talking about living his life with bulletproof vests and all. And the reporter writes, Enyart has no sympathy, quote, the perpetrators of widespread injustice like slave traders and Nazis, expect to go home and live in tranquility. That's an absurd expectation, unquote. Enyart said his group pickets outside Hearn's home on holidays every year. Actually, Colorado Right to Life has activists. I'm one of them, and we protest on the holidays at an abortionist home, holiday home visits of abortionists. We've been doing this for about 20 years. The last time, when was the last time anybody did a holiday abortionist home visit? What was the last Memorial Day. Memorial Day we were out there. Mother's Day we were out there. 
In fact, there are groups around the country who are adopting this strategy of visiting your local child killer on the holidays. So Christmas morning, 8 o'clock, who's out front but a bunch of pro-life wackos? Just to remind you that there are kids who are not opening presents today because you killed them. And to remind your neighbors. All right, so worthwhile reporting by the L.A. Times, at least that sentiment, so that medical students will think twice before becoming child killers. Think twice. I'd want, if I lived in Europe 200 years ago, I'd want my son to think twice before becoming a slave ship captain. I wouldn't want him to do that. And I wouldn't want my neighbor's kid to do that either. Okay. And we've got just fabulous, uh, fabulous input on this worksheet, including coming from some leaders around the country. And I think I'll withhold some of those comments, maybe get the okay from some people to use their names, thanking American Right to Life for publishing this worksheet, this abortion vigilantism worksheet. Now, there's a pro-life leader, I won't give his name, somewhere in the country, he's run for office, he's been in the movement for a long time, and he said, well, in the introduction of this worksheet, it states that governments have the authority to use lethal force in more circumstances than do civilians. And he said, I disagree with that. So... I had the opportunity to talk to this leader. He called in, and we discussed this, and I said, well, you realize that you're taking the position, basically, of the Libertarian Party. Libertarians claim that authority flows uphill and that the government gets its authority from the people and that the government can have no authority that an individual does not have. And he said, yeah, that's exactly what I believe. The government only has the authority to do that which an individual has. And I said, that's a humanist view. That is not a pro-life view. That's a humanist view, and you should reject that. He said, I'm not a humanist. I believe in God, and I believe in God's word. I'm not a humanist. I said, so please reconsider that. Do you think the government should have an army? Do you think it's appropriate for the government to be able to defend ourselves against, say, invaders— Uh, with an armed force. And he said, yes, I'm strong on defense. Yes. Do you think that the government should be able to declare war? Yes. Well, do you think that an individual should be able to declare war an individual? And he had to think about that. I said, do you think an individual, your neighbor, let's say you live next to a Muslim, maybe next to a mosque. Do you think the mosque should have the right to have surface-to-air missiles? You believe the government has the right to do that? Should, Should a Muslim have the right to build a nuclear weapon in his house? He said, oh, I believe the government has the right to have nuclear weapons to deter, you know, great tragedy. And so I said, well, do you think an individual has the right to own nuclear weapons? He said, well, what if they're law-abiding? I <laughs> said, if they're law-abiding? Well, if they misuse it, you know, we could um, charge them with a, a crime. You can't, 
You can't charge someone with a crime if you're vaporized. You know, if if all of Seattle is vaporized, you pretty much it's too late to go after an individual. So, of course, governments have authority that does not come from an individual. And, of course, authority flows downhill, not uphill, from God through governments to people, from parents to children, and even the kid can kick the cat off the couch. So authority flows downhill. First it resides in God, and then he delegates authority. It flows downhill, not uphill. So now the worksheet, real quick, the first question was, the government has authority to use lethal force in some circumstances. True. Second question, it's justifiable for the government to execute someone convicted of murder. True. If you wonder about that, go to our show last Wednesday. We talk it through. Three, it's justifiable for the government to use force up to and including lethal force to prevent the commission of a murder. Like there's a police officer there, somebody's trying to kill a child, and the police officer uses force to protect the child and save the child, and he happens to kill the would-be murderer. It's justifiable. Four, it is justifiable for a civilian to use even up to lethal force, if necessary, in self-defense against an unjust and imminent deadly threat. True. Question five. Consider this extension of the idea of self-defense. Does it also apply to defending someone else, a third party, who's being unjustly threatened their life? And the answer is true, yes. Self-defense also applies to your neighbor. Like you're walking through a park, you see a child is being threatened, you can use force to protect that child. Question number six Question number six, if you are using force to defend the life of a child in a park, and let's say there are gang members there, and there are a couple gang members who are trying to prevent you from using force to save the child, do you have the right to use force against them also, or only the one that has a knife to her? Of course, you could use force in that circumstance against the accomplices. True. All right? Question number seven. The threat must be imminent to some significant degree as a necessary factor to justify the lethal use of force in self-defense for a civilian. There has to be an imminent factor. And American Right to Life says we should be able to understand the answer to that is true. Question number seven, the threat must be imminent to justify lethal force in self-defense. True. Question number eight, the threat must be imminent to some significant degree as a necessary factor to justify lethal force in defense of others. Question number nine, A civilian facing a threat of future harm should not immediately use lethal force. True. Question number 10. Think about the moment of irreversible harm. The moment of irreversible harm. Justifiable civilian lethal force cannot proceed 
an imminent threat because God has only delegated to civilians the authority to use lethal force at the moment of irreversible harm. And American Right to Life says we should be able to understand that is true. And then question number 11 gives examples. Like if a prisoner threatens to kill you when he gets out of jail in 10 years, you don't have the authority to use lethal force. Prisoner threatens to kill you when he gets out of jail next year, you don't have the authority. And this goes through a set of scenarios in which we test the imminency of a threat. And it turns out that as a threat becomes increasingly imminent, then you do have the authority to use lethal force. In many of these other circumstances, you need to call the police. You need to contact the government. And the government might be negligent and not protect you. And then as a threat actually becomes imminent, then you do have the authority to use force up to lethal force if necessary to protect yourself or a neighbor. Okay. So that's how far we got. Now we're up to question number 12. And this furthers the last question. If you answered true, affirming the civilian right to lethal self-defense, then please indicate true or false. If a civilian reports to the government that his neighbor threatened to kill him when he gets back from buying a gun, regardless of the government's intended response... If the government has not prevented the neighbor from returning with a gun and continuing with the threat of imminent harm, the civilian may then justifiably use lethal force. True? Unsure? False? It's true. American Right to Life says we should be able to recognize that that's true. You did what you should have done. There was a threat. You let the government know. The government has not responded. This would-be criminal goes and buys a gun and comes back and he's coming at you with the gun, do you have to just stand there and take it? No. If he's going after your neighbor, do you have to stand there and watch him kill your neighbor? No. So we see how imminent threats and serious threats could be responded to with lethal force. This next question, number 13, has to do with principle. God gives the dominant responsibility of enforcing the law to government rather than to civilians. God gives the dominant responsibility of enforcing the law to government rather than to civilians. True, unsure, or false? American Right to Life says you should be able to recognize that this is true. If someone has committed a crime, it should not be a random civilian in your precinct that breaks down his door and gets him and arrests him. It should be the government. And if someone is accused of committing a crime, it should not be an ad hoc committee from your cul-de-sac that is charging him with the crime and reviewing the evidence and rendering a verdict. That's not... The civilians, that's the government. Now, question number 14 from American Right to Life's Vigilante Worksheet. To help think about the difference between governmental and individual authority, considering the Bible, Scripture, 
For the statements below, please circle true, unsure, or false. True or false? From Adam's fall to Noah's flood. Think about that period in history before the global flood. From Adam's fall to Noah's flood, the Bible indicates that God withheld from mankind the authority to execute criminals. True, unsure, or false? American Right to Life indicates that you should recognize that that's true. God never gave to mankind the authority to execute criminals before the flood. Now, true, unsure, or false? From the fall to the flood, called by some the dispensation of conscience. Right, The period of time from the fall, when Adam and Eve sinned, until the global flood, which is called by some the dispensation of conscience. In other words, there was no human governmental authority issued by God. It's called the dispensation of conscience. Everyone lived according to their conscience. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. From the fall to the flood, the scriptures do not indicate that God delegated governmental authority to mankind. True. Immediately after the flood, immediately after the flood, God delegated the governmental authority to execute criminals, which is called by some the dispensation of human government. Is that true or false? That's true. Right after Noah disembarked, God delegated the governmental authority to execute criminals. You read that in Genesis chapter 9. True or false? Prior to God delegating the governmental authority to execute criminals, the Bible says, quote, that the wickedness of man was great, that every thought of man's heart was only evil continually, and that the world was, quote, filled with violence, unquote. True or false? Of course, that's true. So there was a period of time before God authorized the death penalty, and the way Scripture characterizes that period of time is that the earth was filled with violence. And by the way, many theologians see that as a great history lesson that God taught mankind that evil men need the law to constrain them. And so that first period in human history, God withheld the law to demonstrate because there are angels, there are demons, there's Satan, there's mankind who will accuse God or question whether something is justified or not. And if God had given the law at the first moment when Adam and Eve rebelled, then all the wickedness in the world, liberals and angels would say, well, God, maybe this wickedness is because of your law. Maybe this came from your law. It's your fault. And so God has given man every opportunity. And the first great history lesson was that evil men need the law because without the restraint of governmental institutions imposing a law on the people, their thoughts were nothing but evil continually, and the world was filled with violence. All right. Question 15 of the American Rights to Life Vigilante Worksheet. Because of the fall—by the way, 
There's a professor of theology and philosophy who's taught at some leading schools around the country, and she's gone through this, and she contacted American Right to Life and said, and she's been doing this kind of thing for 30 years from a Christian, Judeo-Christian perspective. She said, this is the best article on this question I have ever read on the difference between self-defense and vigilante actions. And she indicated that she wants to begin using this worksheet in her curriculum, in her college uh, course on such a topic. So that's that's another honor. Okay, question number 15. Because of the fall, mankind's sin prevents any current human government regardless of the form of that government, from perfectly protecting innocence. True or false? It's true. Because of the fall, we're not going to have any government perfectly protect the innocent. Question number 16, and it's indicated this is a tautology. As a general statement, differing ideas for governing, if implemented, would produce different results. Sometimes people don't think in these basic terms. Different ideas for government would produce different results. That is true. And so what if God had issued a different idea for government? What if God had said, let's allow individuals to have authority over life and death to decide against the government's judgments who should be killed and who should not be killed? That'd be a different idea for government, and it would produce different results. How so? Question number 17. By the law of unintended consequences, when rules are modified to address one problem, often other problems are created or worsened. Is that true or false? It's obviously true. By the law of unintended consequences, you change a rule to address a problem like the government doesn't stop some of the people they should stop. So you change a rule and you say individuals can trump the governing authorities and decide to kill certain people who deserve it. So now by the law of unintended consequences, when you modify that rule, you often, any rule, create or worsen other problems. Question number 18 And this has to do with trade-offs. If the rules of governance were modified to reduce one form of criminal behavior, that modification might increase another form of criminal behavior, true or false. And what this worksheet will now do is go through examples showing what if we did what some extremists say we should do and allow individuals the decision of life and death. What would happen? Hey, Maranatha, what a great school. Hey, and this is Dominic, and you're jumping back into the broadcast. And so with this worksheet that Bob has been going through, you see how it slowly starts to push you to the realization that just, you know, allowing vigilantes to just run about, run amok, it is, there are 
a lot of trade-offs, a lot of downsides to that. And so Bob there, he ended on question number 18. Question number 19 is, if God would give the dominant responsibility of enforcing the law to civilians rather than to government, then by definition, billions of individuals each then become the supreme judge and the highest governmental human authority on earth. And of course, that is true. And if that is true, what are the possible consequences, the possible trade-offs and downsides of that? And potentially, I might actually go through the rest of this worksheet on my show again next Tuesday, if you're interested to hear that, depending on what's going on in the news. But hey, that is going to do it for us here today. We are out of time. Just as a quick reminder, we broadcast five days a week on Mondays is the Bob and Yard Live broadcast classics on Tuesdays and Wednesdays here with me on the Dominic Inyart Show, Theology Thursday, and then Real Science Radio on Fridays. I'm out of town. I'm excited to get back and report on this Abolish Human Abortion Conference that I attended in Wichita, Kansas. Hey, may God bless you guys.